So did you ever see that tired house down the street? Sell. And then six months later, it came back up for sale at an astronomical amount. You were like, I must have a look how much that house is. And then it sold straight away. And you were like, how? Well, today I'm talking about how to make money flipping houses. I'm going to share the good, the bad and the ugly with it. But also my top five secrets for successful flips. Okay, let's delve right in. So you might be thinking... So I don't think I can do this. I haven't got a massive pot of cash and I certainly haven't got time to be spending every weekend and evening managing a property flip. No, you don't have to. You know, I'm going to share with you in this episode the top five secrets for a successful flip and what I've learned on my journey. But also I'm going to, I'm going to share how you get into this business and how you can actually still leverage it even when you don't have any of those things going for you. So I think I want you to still tune in. I want you to listen. I want you to spend the next 10 or 15 minutes of your time educating yourself on how you can make money through property. I'm going to caveat this one first. If you are doing the flip entirely by yourself, if you are renovating the property entirely by yourself, you're managing it, whatever, it is not passive at all. It's very hands-on. And that's where you need to really know what you're doing. Um, you can cut your teeth doing it wrong. I cut my teeth doing it wrong. I did my own stuff. I've messed up my own projects. I did one in France that didn't really make much. Uh, that's why I've still got it, in fact. So that's now like serviced accommodation, if you like. But if you do it right, the returns are amazing. And if you do it with an expert or through an expert, maybe you joint venture or maybe you invest with them, then you can still get the benefits. So there are so many ways of benefiting from somebody doing a flip. But how do you know if they're any good? So let's delve right into how to make money flipping houses so that if it's something you want to invest in or have a go yourself, then you understand how to do it because it is not just for builders. I'm going to just put that out there. I'm not a builder. I don't mind getting stuck in and doing things, but I'm not a builder and you don't have to be one. You're probably going to say, Sue, your husband's a builder. Well, my husband would argue not. He's an electrician by trade. He has done some building work. He has done joinery work. No lie. But for the most part, we get expert trades in to do certain things. And he does the things where we know we can save big because he's the expert on them. And we project manage and do it ourselves. So you don't need to be any of those things. When we first started, my husband had not a scratch of building experience and neither did I. You can do it. Like I say, you just make mistakes along the way. So either make the mistakes or join with somebody who knows what they're doing and has done it before and learn faster or just let them do it and give them the money and make money. So there's so many different ways. But you probably noticed those vans outside that house, you know, the skips, the old bathrooms being thrown away. Um, some property investor just ripped into it. They had a vision and a plan and they worked to it faster than your home kitchen ever got done. You know, has anybody have a home renovation or a home, I don't know, update or whatever that seemed to take forever? Yeah, well, you know, when somebody comes in with a plan, they just hit it hard. The truth is, I absolutely love renovating houses. And if you've ever enjoyed a home project, then maybe you do too. Or maybe you just like the interior design a bit, which is kind of like a very small element of things when you're doing a renovation. You know, it's like the the staging of it. I love going into a tired and sorrowful state house, you know, something with period features or something that just needs some love or updating. And I envisage just how we're going to give it a new lease of life. We're going to make it light and airy and modern and truly happy, peaceful place for somebody to live. That 
it's just I get just get ideas. I go into even people's homes. I go. I'm terrible. I'm going in, and they're like, "What do you think if we move this wall or whatever? What do you think about this?" And I'm like, "Oh, have you thought about this? What about doing this? This would be amazing. Do this." And and I can just vision it in front of me. And if you have that, then you'll know what the the book is I'm talking about. Maybe you have that with your area. So in fact, you know, that vision has been a lot of the success that Dave and I have had really in doing property. We're we're able to go into somewhere and just see how it's transformed. Lots of people need room plans and 3D modeling and all that kind of thing. And and I always just come up with three plans in my head when you go into a property and, and this will be really helpful for you. And you'd be helpful with your own home as well. You go in and you envisage the property with a renovation as the layout just as it is. So it's like, well, okay I'm gonna give it a new kitchen new bathroom new decoration whatever imagine it with nice staircase whatever then you do a second vision which is like a reconfiguration and renovation for example what can I do if I change the room layout I mean check your rooms are they stud walls or are they brick walls brick walls are nightmare filling skips and everything but changing room layouts you can often find some of these older properties you know they're pokey little rooms and lots of them now we love open plan some people love open plan some people don't pinch some space from a hallway for a bigger bathroom I have looked at so many properties recently where the hallways are massive and it's like oh this is feels spacious and then you get in a bedroom and it's teeny because they just pinched it off you know the hall you know it's just like just pinch a bit more off the hall like you don't need all this hallway to walk around I need room to live in, even if upstairs is a tiny landing and not a massive thing. And then you do your third vision, which is, you know, it's like the money is no object vision. We did this with the fairway. The fairway was our big project, our one that was far beyond our capabilities and finances at the time. And that big money is no object vision where even with everything like if I threw everything at it granite worktops the most beautiful floor wood floor you could ever imagine underfloor heating the most um luxurious bathroom it's like being in um what's a famous hotel in London or something Claridge's or something well not Claridge's because it's probably quite old now but you know I wanted it to feel like you were you were in a hotel and that it was a beautiful stunning expensive Hilton or something in Dubai I wanted that home to feel so luxurious that it felt like you were on holiday. It felt like a luxury experience. It felt like you were being nurtured and looked after by the space. I'm actually a big believer in the space you live actually affects your mood, actually affects everything. And I, and I know this, I moved my mum out of um, quite a deprived authority council house area and no offence to anybody who lives in, in that sort of area this particular one she was in was a very deprived council area so the houses were really dark and dingy there was a lot of rubbish around people didn't keep things very nice there was a lot of shouting and anger in in the atmosphere the energy the vibe of the place and she did this after she divorced my dad and you know it's great she managed to keep her independence and have a home but being there affected her mental well-being so when we moved her out of there, back onto an old estate, she used to live at in just a regular semi-detached, but the the house had a better feel for it. It had larger windows, so it had more light. Things like that make a difference, massive difference to how you feel. So that's what I wanted to, at the fairway. So I have my three plans. You have your layout just as it is, reconfiguration and renovation, and money as no object vision. Can you make money on all three? I'm going to say yes. And I'll tell you why. 
Because even with that third one, where money was no object and blew the budget, well, we didn't really blew the budget. I kept, I knew how much we were spending and I knew how much it would be worth. I did my research after research. And the day we came to make the decision about spending three and a half thousand pounds on a new composite front door because it was arched, the day we came to make that decision, I remember doing more research and going, actually, I thought it was going to value at this. But I now think because of the way the property market has gone, it's actually going to value at this, which was like another 50K more than I'd originally budgeted for. So I think that three and a half K is very well spent because that is how you greet somebody at an amazing half a million pound home. So we still made over 300K profit. So yes, you can, but it's got to be the right time in the market and the right property. The first two options, the second one particularly, will give you the most leverage. So that's a reconfiguration and renovation of room layouts. You want to have bigger rooms, bigger bathrooms, bigger living spaces, bigger kitchens. That's what people want. So now property renovations and flippings can offer a high profit within a really short time frame if you can commit that time to it. You know, house flipping can be a higher return than any other sorts of investment. So what are the five secrets to making a successful flip? So that if you're going to do it yourself or if you're going to get somebody else to do it, you know that they, they know what they're doing. Yeah, the five secrets. So the first one is do your homework, market research, boring, yawn, yawn. No, it's not. I love this. You know, get all over right move, last sold prices, the demand in your area, are house prices rising, are they static or declining? Even in this market right now, some areas are not declining, believe it or not. But if they are, you can always do a five-year forecast and see what the situation is then because maybe you do it up, you rent it, and then you sell in five years or you, you keep it forever. You know, that's okay. If you can add value by adding a saleable feature, like an extra bedroom or um, a large kitchen diner extension. There are certain things that will add value anyway. You need to know them. Right, the second one is your financing. You want to buy at lower than market value, but you want to do your research on sold prices, not on advertised prices. Somebody talked about the rule of thumb being like 70% of the actual asking price in that area, the market, average market, retail market value. Um, yeah, basically you can get in with low offers. Our first home, well, it was at the risk of being repossessed. It was such a sorry state. It was damp. It was a terraced house, an, an end of terrace house with da- rising damp up the walls, a cellar that was like a, well, a sponge. Every room upstairs was disgusting with mold and the bathroom and kitchen were old the person was unfortunately unwell but it was at the risk of being repossessed so we managed to get it at below market value and when we renovated it it well it got values three times three times what we'd spent and purchase including the purchase price on so it is doable these are they do exist even in this market in any market those sorts of things do exist because circumstances um so you've got to factor in the purchase cost You've got to factor in the budget for the refurbishment. If you don't know these sorts of figures, you've got to get quotes. You've got to speak to experts. You really These figures will make a massive difference. It means you'll need to offer, you'll need to go to the property director vendor to buy it. You might need to go to auction or, to, you know, do below market value offers. Always allow for contingency. You know, the biggest factor is going over budget. Let's face it. It catches us all out. And during COVID, materials like insulation and paint tripled. In the case of architrave, you know, the wood that goes around your door, we went from paying £5 a strip to £15 a strip. I even had bags of plaster left over from the fairway that I sold onto a plasterer because they couldn't even get it. 
So getting up to date prices, so frequently updating your prices and shop around where you can with having trade memberships at trade um, suppliers will really help you. Right then, time. Okay, remember the, the longer that you hold the property, the more it costs you. However, if of course it doesn't value up or the market is a downturn, holding onto it and renting out could be an option for you. One of the things we always had when we we're flipping is if I'm holding it to rent it, would I put the same quality of finish in? Would I put this in? Would I put that in? Because you run the risk of it getting damaged and needing replacing while you've got a tenant in. Um, because unfortunately some tenants don't look after it as well as they would do if their own. Whereas when I was flipping to sell, I always wanted like top end. Top end meant I want somebody to come in and go, wow, they really spent the money on the fixtures and finishings here that are going to, you know, be, be used. Okay, number four, location, location, location. Yes, just like the program. The rule of thumb is the worst house on the best street. I have never failed when I have bought in prestigious roads. We have bought the worst houses on prestigious roads, but often the fact that an estate agent can say it's on one of the most prestigious roads in Allsager or whatever town it is really makes a difference to your return on investment. So location does actually matter. Take a good look around, go driving around and check out the streets that really work for you. So it also means you get an influx of buyers. You know, if it's a really good location, like you're not short of people that want to buy it. You're not short of viewings. Like It's easy. You want something that's easy to turn over. And number five, know what adds value. So I, I've seen people who've got rid of things that would give them value. You know, bedrooms, bathrooms, and kitchens are so key. I've seen people cut corners with the rummiest kitchen in, or, you know, just got as few units as possible. And people have gone in and gone, oh, the kitchen looks practically empty. It's sparse because it's basically just a few units and not much else. And they haven't really thought about it. Buy the things that add value, you know, Buying um, an American style fridge freezer and sticking it in the house is not going to sell it because you're not selling that. And I also think sometimes when we view houses, we, we get wrapped up in the person has dressed it beautifully. They have some beautiful decorations. I mean, you can, you can stage a home to sell it. Let, let's be honest here. You can be beautiful interior design and cushions and have the most amazing furniture and it will help to sell your home. But the reality is you've got to look past that because what you're buying is the things behind it. The stuff, the person's going to take all that stuff with them. Kind of like show homing, you know? So provide parking as well. I talked about some so things that add value. Bedrooms, bathrooms, kitchens are key. Outside spaces, protect it. Provide parking if you can. Open up the front garden. All of these things are key things that buyers will look for. Okay, last one then. Is it better to flip or rent? Well, it just depends on what you want to do, what your goals are. Do you want to be a landlord? Question number one. I know lots of people who don't categorically ever want to be a landlord and have that headache, but they want the rewards of investing in property. And it's so simple to do. Just go and invest with somebody else. How much tax will I be paying for flipping houses? So if it's your second home, you need to look at capital gains tax. A good accountant will help you with that. And the capital gains tax can, can vary depending on whether you're a 20% taxpayer or a 40% taxpayer. So that is something to consider. Should you flip in a downward market like now? Okay, so like I said earlier, I have had situations where so long as you've stuck to the rules, paid below market value, done your budgeting, added value like an extra room or something, you can still make money in a downward market on flipping. 
However, you might find that the rental market is really buoyant and you can command a really good rent in a downward market. So you might just decide to hold a bit longer. Keeping your options open and keep budgeting and allowing for what you're going to do is a really good strategy here. Again, if you're working with an experienced investor, so somebody who knows what they're doing, does all this stuff, and you work with them, you joint venture with them or you invest with them and do it the, the, the really simple way, then you can benefit from their experience of knowing at the end of that what to do. So hopefully that's given you a little bit of a taster of what you need to do, how to make money flipping houses, and how can you do it then without actually getting involved? It's so simple. The simplest way is to invest as a, like basically a loan investment to a property investor who then pays you a percentage of interest and they go and do the flip basically, and you don't even get involved at all. A joint venture would be where you would buy the property, you would maybe do a buy-to-let mortgage on it, or you would do the first, the, the mortgage, or you would just pay for the whole thing. And then you pay for the refurbishment. And then when it's done, you split the profits. They do all the work. Um, it's also hands off. Or you do it all yourself, where you get stuck in and get dirty and do your, basically, funds yourself and, and all the work yourself and the project management, which is, how we did it. And yeah, I wished I'd known about the other two options of getting into property in the early stages, because that would have really given us a leg up. It would have really helped us out. And we definitely would have done more to get going to be where we are. Instead, we only thought there was option three, which is do it all yourself and find the funds yourself and make it work yourself. I remember cursing when we'd spent weekend after weekend, you know, on our property thinking, Will it ever be done? What have we done? Why are we wasting our lives when my friends are going partying and they're going away for weekends and we're having to go for two of the nights instead of four and things like that? But I also now look back and think it was all worth it. It, it, it got us here now. There was easier ways. And again, I wished I'd known that. But it's knowing what your sacrifice is, what your time and energy input is. Now, for freedom, that might mean you have to invest with somebody else to give you the freedom, the time and energy freedom, but then still benefit from the financial reward. And that's something you've got to figure out. If you're interested in learning more about any of this, then you can head over to the link in the show notes where I talk more about passive income through property. And you can even follow me on LinkedIn for a lot more about our property success stories. Take care, folks, and I will see you again very soon. Bye-bye. Congratulations for showing up and being one of the 8% that actually turn their dreams into reality. I appreciate you for listening and I am committed to helping you improve the quality of your life. For more resources, make sure you check out the show notes underneath. Don't forget to hit subscribe and leave me a five-star review. And remember, you are incredible. And if you dream it, you can achieve it.